Would you turn in the scriptures, please, to the book of Proverbs? We began some weeks ago on a series that we are calling The Spirit of Man. The Spirit of Man. And in Proverbs 20, 27 is our text. It's one of the most important things that you could learn in this life, and that is no exaggeration. Please don't snooze through this. Don't uh, think that you've heard it before. One thing is I, I actually have been more studious on this than I normally am, and I endeavor to do what I should, but on this, this is such a big subject, man. This is some of these words, you go to look it up, and there's 900 references on that in the Scripture. Well, it must be important. Yes. What? Yes. We're talking about the heart of man, the spirit of man, the soul of man. And um, the more I learn, the less I see we know. Do you know what I mean by that? I think by and large, the body of Christ, and we're part of the body of Christ, is woefully ignorant of this subject at our own loss, to our own loss. Well, let's get that fixed. What do you say? Let's, that's one of the reasons why we have church and come together, get things like this fixed. And this is not just about learning something and having a bunch of knowledge. The enemy is able to work in areas of ignorance. But when we get enlightened by his word, we're no longer ignorant of his devices and his works. And we can see him coming and we can shut him down. How many in agreement with shutting him down? Say shut him down. Shut, shut him down. <laughs> And the way you do that is by yielding to God and resisting the enemy. In Proverbs 20, 27, he said, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The complete Jewish Bible says it like this, the CJB. It says, The human spirit is the lamp of Adonai, the Lord's Lamp. Everybody say the Lord's lamp. Now actually, in, in doing further study on this, the word lamp is a better translation in my estimation than candle is. And if you go back and see whether it was God's plan for the temple or for the tabernacle, they had a lamp stand. And um, it was not candles. It was a multi-armed lampstand that was uh, fed oil. It was an oil lamp. It burned oil. And uh, these lamps, they didn't have electricity back then. They didn't have light bulbs and that kind of thing. But when you had a multi-armed oil lamp, it gave a fair amount of light. Probably be a surprising amount, depending on what, it, what type it was. But all that to say this, the Scripture says what? 2027? 20, the Spirit 
is the lamp. Come on, say it out loud. The Spirit is the lamp. Whose lamp? It's the Lord's lamp. It's, well, a lamp is what illuminates, what gives light, what lightens. And what we see from this, and many other scriptures like it, is that God illuminates us, God enlightens us through our own spirit. Our own spirit. Well, if you don't even know that you are a spirit, if you can't distinguish between your spirit and your head, then you are at a great disadvantage in getting direction from the Lord. And that's where most of the church is. Most of the church has not even been taught that they're supposed to be led by the Spirit at all. Most of the church has never even heard it. You and I are so privileged. We are so blessed to have some light, light, on this. And we got it through Brother Kenneth Hagin, who got it straight from the head of the church. He's got a book called How to Be Led by the Spirit. If you don't have that book, what are you waiting on? Get that book. We don't have it. We don't carry it. But go to their ministry, Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and get that book, How to Be Led by the Spirit. He goes into detail about through an experience with the head of the church. The Lord showed him just what we're talking about right now, how He leads and guides us through our own spirit. The spirit of man, uh, the the W-E-B, the English Bible says, the spirit of man is Yahweh's lamp, searching all his innermost parts. Thanks be to God. Now we studied, uh, if you back up to the fourth chapter here in Proverbs, last week I believe it was, four 23, we saw this. 423 of Proverbs says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Amplified says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. The springs of life. I should have had you hold your place in 20. Go back to 20, Proverbs 20. There's a verse that goes with this. Guard your heart above all that you guard and keep. Why? Because that's, that's where life comes out of. No, you are not, your spirit is not the source of life. The spirit of God in you, in your spirit, is the source of life. But the life that's in your body in your mind, it comes out of your spirit, out of the inner man. There's an inner man, there's an outer man. Peter talks about the hidden man of the heart. Look in Proverbs 20 there, we we looked in the 27th verse, but earlier in the chapter in verse 5, he made this statement, and uh, I so appreciate the Lord helping me to see this. You know, it really helps to read the verses that came before and the ones that came after. I've been uh, reading and quoting that 27th verse for a while, 
But the Lord pointed out to me that I, I didn't notice that a few verses before that, he said something specifically about this. He said, counsel in the heart of man is like what? Deep water. Deep water. Counsel where? Where? In the heart of man. It's like deep water. Deep, everybody say deep water. But a man of understanding will do what? Wait on God to drop it on him. Wait till God gets ready. See, this is one of the big failures in the church is that folks have just thought it's all up to God. You and I have a responsibility to draw it out to look for it, to search for it, to seek and you shall find. Are you all okay, church? <laughs> did, did you hear how that went over? <laughs> By and large, people prefer what I call no-fault religion. What do you mean by that? No matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not my fault. <laughs> and people tend to gravitate to go to churches that share their level of commitment. Wow. It's true. Because if you're around a bunch that's more committed to God than you are, that'll irritate you. Because <laughs> they keep wondering why you don't do more. <laughs> Now, there's a real revelation there. I'm telling you, churches, pretty much, they gravitate that way. People tend, you know, birds of a feather, tend to flock together type thing. They, they, they gravitate toward people with similar commitment levels. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks, they, they think they should get a gold star if they show up. <laughs> and that you dare not ask them to do anything. Or expect anything of them. And there's a lot of churches that they got the gold stars. They're ready for you. <laughs> They're just thrilled if you'll show up and they'll, they'll let you be a baby and they will baby you until you leave this earth. And you'll never develop and you won't bear fruit. You're saved. Your name's on the roll. <laughs> got your ticket basically and that's all you care about. But there's other folks. I said there are other people that are willing to give God more. Give Him more of their time, more of their heart, more of their life, their money. See, that's, why, that's one of the big deals about money. That's why people get so upset about money. Why? It's not just about money. If you don't want to give God any money, that's just a reflection of the rest of your life. You don't want to give him any of this other thing either. You just don't want to give him much. You want to receive your salvation, but you don't want him to ask you of any, for anything. But covenant works two ways. Yes. Phyllis tells me all, that all the time. <laughs> covenant. <laughs> I get something nice and new, and she might put it on and go, Covenant. I go, covenant, okay, covenant. But it works both ways. 
You know, she got that car a while back, and, and, and I, sometimes I say that covenant. <laughs> but she can't say much about it because she's used it on me for years. So. But with God, covenant, right? Somebody say covenant. He has given us everything, and everything he has is ours. How many think that ought to be a two-way street? Huh? If everything he has is ours, how should it be? Everything we have and are should be available to him. It should be available to him, and it shouldn't just be all theory and talk. It should be action that we, we work, we give, we invest, and that's another message. But notice, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, and a man of understanding will draw it out. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And I'm reading this in the Weiss translation, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Boy, it's so beautiful how the Old Testament and the New Testament just lock together. They just, they're seamless. And anybody that ever said there are errors in the Bible just showed how little they understand. If it's the inspired Word of God, it is without error. It is without mistake. Now, that doesn't mean all the translations are without mistake. I'm talking about the original Word of God. He said, uh, even as it stands written, the things which I did not see nor ear hear, which did not arise within any individual's heart, so many things has God prepared for those who love him. Keep going. I'm reading the next several verses here. But God has revealed them. Them what? The things that I hadn't seen, that ear hadn't heard that hasn't entered into the heart of man. God has revealed them to us through the agency, the intermediate agency of His Spirit. For the Spirit is constantly exploring all things, even the deep things of God. You, you keep hearing this word deep. Deep. How many would believe God is not shallow? When it comes to his counsel, when it comes to his knowledge, his wisdom, understanding, deep, we don't know how deep. Keep, keep reading. Well, let me, let me stop though. Not only is that true, but you are made in his likeness and image. And to call you shallow is not true. Even if you've acted goofy before. Inside you is not shallow. There is great depth in your spirit. The Spirit of God through Paul prayed that we might come to know and experience the length, the depth, the breadth, and height, and to know the love of God and be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you hear these phrases? Is that possible that I can receive the fullness of God? 
that I can experience the height, depth, and breadth of God who is love, that means you have an amazing capacity inside you. We're not limited to a few brain cells, to a couple of pounds of gray matter. Oh, no, 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 no. You are not just a brain. You're not just a body. You are a spirit. God is the father of spirits. And this is just the house that you are occupying right now. Is that true? And inside me, those that are born again, is also the Holy Spirit. Now that tells how big you are. That he could be in you. Is, that, is he or not? The Bible said we are the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. Keep reading. It says. The Spirit's constantly exploring all things. Even the deep things of God. For who is there of men. Who knows the things of the individual person. Except. The spirit of that aforementioned individual person. Which is in him. In the same manner also the things of God no one has known except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God knows all the deep things of God. The Spirit of man knows all the deep things in a man's or woman's heart. Can you see the parallel he's drawing? But as for us, Not the spirit of the world system did we receive, but the spirit who is of God, in order that we might come to know the things which by God have been in grace bestowed upon us. Why did God give us his spirit? So we would come to know. And that word know involves more than cataloging information. It includes the idea of experiencing to know, to understand and experience what? All of the things that God has given us. How are we going to come to know and experience all the things God has given us? By His Spirit, through our spirit. I said by His Spirit, Through our spirit, not, not your intellect. Not your intellect. There are, and there never will be, any genius intellects that can discern the deep things of God. Impossible. Let me keep reading, and you'll see why. We didn't receive the spirit of the world. We receive the Spirit of God, not in words taught by human philosophy, but in words taught by the Spirit, fitly joining together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-taught words. It takes revelation and utterance to express the things of God. And it takes revelation to hear them and see them and understand them. 
It takes Spirit-revealed truth and Spirit-taught words. That's why it can be frustrating. If God shows you something and you get something from Him, and you try to tell somebody else about it who doesn't respect it and don't want to hear it, you'll find yourself unable to communicate. No matter how clearly you see it, unless God gives you utterance, you can't express it. And no matter how, even if you express it perfectly, if they don't receive an anointing to see and hear it, they won't see and hear it. The Word of God is a closed book to a hard heart. I don't care if the world calls you a genius intellectually. When it comes to understanding the things of God, you don't get those things because you're smart. You get it with your heart, not your head. Are y'all with me, church? If not, just hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. Verse 14, but the unregenerate man of the highest intellectual attainments does not grant access to the things of the Spirit of God. For to him, they're folly. And he's not able to come to know them because they're investigated in a spiritual realm. Now, the word investigated is, is Dr. Weiss translation. I prefer the word discerned or distinguished. Discerned. He's talking about spiritual discernment, being able to detect and distinguish the things of God. And that's the core of this series. Do you want to be able to detect, identify the things of God and differ, discern and distinguish them from the things of men to know what's him and what's you. What's him and what's them. In my few years in the ministry I've seen and we've made mistakes too but I've seen so many mistakes in people not distinguishing what's God and what's not God. Just because somebody quotes scriptures doesn't mean that's God talking. Didn't the devil quote scriptures to Jesus in order to deceive him and trick him, tempt him? Someone says, well, man, that's, uh, how am I going to know? That's what we're talking about. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. But see, so many people, they want to act like everything that's happening is God, and I have no responsibility for discerning anything. It's not true. God has given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us authority in the name. He's given us access in prayer. And he's given us a charge and a responsibility that we are to seek and to find. We are to pray and be led. We're to find out and understand what the will of the Lord is. Not just say whatever is to be will be. It's all foreordained. It's all prearranged. 
Well, God has a plan that is foreordained and prearranged, and that plan in general is going to be done and accomplished with you or without you. But as far if we want to be involved and, and do the part we're supposed to play, we must take the responsibility for seeking Him and finding His will and His Word and His plan. You know, we, we, got, we got a church here in Branson. We got a church in Sarasota. Why? Why here? Why like this? There was a time when uh, all this church was, was a witness in mind and fill of spirit. There was no building, there was no property, there was no services, there were no meetings, there were no projects. There was something deep in our hearts. There was something. There was counsel and direction in our hearts. And the Lord helped us to draw it out. To identify it and distinguish between what was just a wild idea that we had or a suggestion that somebody else brought up and what really was God. Why has it gone so well? Because it was God's idea, right? It was His idea. It was His plan. But do you see, it didn't just happen automatically. It didn't just happen by itself. We had to, somebody had to, and this is true with all the works of God all over the earth, somebody had to identify it, discern it, become convinced this is God. Convinced enough to take a step, to act on it, to sacrifice, to do what needs to be done, and to just keep believing God that that we'll be able to go all the way. Why am I bringing that up? Because that's exactly how he leads and guides every Christian. Not just ministers, every believer is to be led by the Spirit of God because just like there was a plan for these churches and ministry, there's a plan for your individual personal life. There's a plan. But you can't just idle along and hope it falls on you. Well, I guess if it's God, it'll happen. Wrong. Wrong. I know millions of church going people believe that, but it's not what the Bible teaches. It's wrong. What did it say? A wise man will do what? Draw it out. Keep reading this. He said, uh, these things are not taught by human philosophy, but in words taught by the Spirit, fitly joining together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-taught words. That's the benefit of coming together like this. I cannot produce the thing that feeds your spirit. No man or woman can. But God uses human vessels, right? And if we will seek Him and ask for it, the message that I'm ministering to you, the series that I'm ministering to you, a while back, it was only a witness. 
Now I must have 50 pages of notes. <laughs> and, and we're steps into it, and the Lord is giving us utterance and light and revelation, but there had to be a point where we said, that's the Lord. And this is, the, this is what he's saying to us. But do you understand, I, my responsibility, I had to look for it. I have to look for it. I can't just goof off and lay on the couch and drink iced tea and say the Lord will fill my mouth when I get there. He'll help you as much as he can, but it's going to be shallow unless you're willing to draw up something from the deep. Ask, Jesus said. It'll be given to you. Seek. Did the Lord seek? Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. Who's going to do the asking? God's not going to do your asking for you. Who's going to do the seeking? God's not going to do our seeking for us. And if you don't seek, if you don't look for it, you won't find it and you'll bump along and you won't know and you'll wonder why it's taking so long. When God's going to do something for you, you must not wait for it to just fall on you. You must not wait for it to just drop on you. You got to look for it. Oh, somebody say, look for it, look for it, look for it, look for it. He said, the unregenerate man of the highest intellectual attainments does not grant access to the things of the Spirit of God, for to him they're folly. He's not able to come to know them because they are discerned spiritually, I prefer to say. For the spiritual man investigates all things, but he himself is not being probed by anyone or discerned. For who has come to know experientially the Lord's mind, he who will instruct him, but as for us, Christ's mind, we have. Somebody say, I have. I have. The mind of Christ. Man, that's quite a statement, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't dare to say that if it wasn't in the Bible. But I'm not going to disagree with the Bible. Say it again. I have the mind of Christ. Now, the mind is illuminated by the heart. I said the mind is illuminated by the heart. In first, don't turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 16, 7, I said the wrong thing. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks where? Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? The Lord doesn't see or look like men see and look. Well, how do men look? They look on the outside. They look outside. Where does God look? Inside. At the heart. If God... He knows that's where to look. Don't look here, look here. Reckon we ought to look where God looks. 
That was revelation worth you coming to church for right, right this morning. Said out loud, I should look where God looks. Where does He look? Not on the outside, but on the inside. Brother Kenneth Hagin used to make this statement from time to time. He'd say, we need to become more God inside minded. We need to become more God inside minded. When we need direction, when we need answers, when we need to know what to do, there's two basic directions you can look. Outside or inside. What do you mean outside? Other people, what they think, what they know, statistics, demographics, etc., etc., information you can find out here. Or there's another place you can look. I said there's another place you can look. You can look where? Inside where? Inside your own heart. We need to be retrained. Instead of looking out here for everything, look inside. Look where? Everything I need, every bit of knowledge and understanding I need, every bit of direction and plan I need, God already knows. He already has. He's not trying to find it. He's not trying to figure it out. He already knows. Then I should go to the one that already knows. Where is he? He's in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. He's in me, not just in my head, but in my heart. So if he's in my heart and he knows everything, then what I need to know is in my heart. I didn't produce it, but it's there because he's there. But I must look there. I must look inside. You know, the scripture said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, don't turn there, but 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, while we look not at the things that are seen, that's outside, but at the things which are not seen, that's inside. Why? Because the things that are seen out here, they are temporary. They are ever-changing. Changing and subject to change. And they don't last. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. They don't change and they last. Say it out loud. Look inside. Help your neighbor. Say, quit looking outside and look inside. What does it say? Look where God looks. Where does he look? He he doesn't look like man looks. Man looks on the outside. God doesn't do that. Thank God. Aren't you glad? The Lord's not looking at us to see if we're color coordinated today (laughs) or if we combed our hair right. And he's not just listening to hear if our singing was on pitch. What's he looking? What's he looking? 
He's not critiquing me that all my references are exactly right. What's, what's he looking at? He's looking at my heart. What about you? He's looking at your heart. Then what about us? Where should we look? If God knows, that's where, that's where he wants to look. That's where he looks. Where should we look? We should look the same direction he looks. Inside. Not outside. Oh, praise God. Turn with me back to Proverbs. And uh, 27th chapter. Now, the enemy will try to keep you from getting this. Because the last thing in the world he wants is for you to learn how to hear from God. You talking about messing up his plans, that will really mess up his plans. <laughs> if you start hearing from God on a regular basis and, and doing that, following that, it's really going to cause him problems. So he will do everything he can to keep you from getting this, including telling you you can't understand it. That's a lie. I want you to say it by faith, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I'm getting this. So don't let anything contrary to that come out of your mouth. Don't even go home and say, I don't know if I got all that. Say it by faith. I'm getting it. I'm getting this. See, if you'll receive it by faith in your heart, even if your head hadn't caught up, it'll catch up later. It'll catch up later. And this is not complicated. It's just we hadn't heard enough about it. To a lot of people, it's really new. Shouldn't be. But we got the greatest teacher in the world, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And He knows how to cause you and I to understand. And so let's agree with him. Say it one more time. I'm getting this. I'm, I'm getting this. I'm getting all of this. <laughs> I like that better. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting all. I'm getting all of this. I'm getting all of it. So if somebody says, did you get that? I'm getting all of this. I'm getting all of this. In the 27th chapter in the 19th verse, Proverbs 27, 19. Boy, this is, this is rich. As in water, face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. What does that mean? If you look into a pool of still water, what will you see? you will see your own reflection. He's saying that's how the heart of a person is to that person. This is Revelation. The Good News translation says it like this. It is your own face that you see reflected in the water. And it is your own self that you see in your heart. That's looking inside. Water In water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Who am I? What am I? What am I called to be and do? Let me help you out. Don't look out here for those answers. You won't find them. 
Where do you look? Look inside where? Into your own heart. And when you're looking into your own heart, you will see a reflection of who you are. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. Thank you, Lord. I believe the Lord's answering uh, 2 Corinthians 3. I said it wrong. 2 Corinthians 3. Is the Lord helping us? Always helping us. So much. And I'm getting this. Oh, Oh, I like it. I like it. You guys are sharp. 2 Corinthians 3 and 13. It says, Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. Now, now keep this in your thinking. What was blinded? For until this day remains that same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. People who believe in God and in the Old Testament, but they have not accepted Jesus, they got a veil over their face and their eyes. And their eyes and mind is blinded. They're reading about Jesus in every book of the Old Testament, but they do not see him. Keep going. But even to this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Now now let's get this. Mind blinded, heart covered. Can you see that? The heart covered and the mind blinded. Why? Because the heart and the mind are connected. Keep reading. Nevertheless, when it or they will turn to the Lord, the veil will be taken away or lifted. Well, if the veil or the coverings lifted off your heart, what's going to happen to your mind? You're going to be able to see. It's going to be enlightened. And this is also the case of every unbeliever on the planet. Actually, he, in the, right in the next chapter, he gets into that. He says, verse uh, chapter 4 and 3, If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has done what? Blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine unto them. We, we, we need to understand, this is not just mental exercise and verbal exercise in being a witness. There are millions of people, they cannot see what we're talking about. They cannot understand it. Their heart is covered. Their mind is blind. It has nothing to do with how smart you are, or your education, or your intelligence. It's not mental, it's spiritual. And you can't see it, you can't get it, unless your eyes and your heart are enlightened. Oh, you know about this? Have you been born again? You know what happened right before you were born again? You were enlightened. Moments 
before you were born again, the sheet came off of your face, the covering came off of your heart, and you saw crystal clear, I'm lost. And Jesus is my salvation. Huh? And it's no longer theory or conjecture or philosophy. It's experience of heart. And when you saw it, thank God by His grace, you were able to make the right choice. And you chose to believe in Him and receive Him and you were and are gloriously born again. You didn't figure it out through your superior intellect. You were enlightened first, and then you responded to that light. This is spiritual, not mental. Keep reading. When they turn to the Lord, verse 16, the veil will be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom, but we all, now he's talking about them, and in chapter 4 he talks about everybody that's blinded to the gospel, but he distinguishes between them and we all, us-uns. There's them-uns and us-uns. Them-uns is blind. Us-uns. Us-uns, we-uns, we-all-uns. We what? We have open face, beholding as in a glass. Now that word really, we'd say mirror. That's what it means. Like in a mirror, does that sound familiar? Like a reflection of a man or woman's face in water, so is the heart of man to man. It's like you're looking in a mirror. With open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image. What image? The image that you're seeing like in a mirror. The image of the glory of the Lord. We're changed into that image of the glory of the Lord, and it's happening progressively, not all at once, from glory to glory, and it's happening by the agency of the Spirit of the Lord. And wherever He is and active, there is freedom. There is liberty. But it's connected with what we're seeing in our hearts. Hearts, minds, covered, uncovered. Like in a mirror. Somebody say like in a mirror. Like in a mirror. You'll find this in more than one place. In the scriptures. Just back up to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 11. When I was a child. I acted like one. Spoke like a child. Understood like a child? Thought like a child? Why? Because I needed to grow up. In order to think and see and talk and act differently, I needed to grow up. I mean, you know, two and three-year-olds are not going to act like 40-year-olds. 
But after 40 years, they should not be acting like two-year-olds. You can be 80 years old in body and two years old in spirit. Undeveloped. You can be a whiny baby spiritually. And all you want is what you want. And you want somebody to do everything for you and you don't want to do anything for anybody. That's why that's how babies are. Babies will scream and wake you up. And they don't care that they woke you up. Is that right? They're not even aware that they inconvenienced you. They are totally oblivious to being an imposition because they are a child. But when you grow up, you become aware of more than how you feel. You become aware there are actually other people around. And that things are going on with them. You become aware that your actions and words have an impact and effect on them. Good or bad. And as you grow up, you're learning how. Where did you get this awareness? This is spiritual awareness. Keep reading. Verse 12. For now... We see how? Through a glass darkly, but then what? Face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Go to James, please. James chapter 1. See, I'm getting this. (laughs) James 1 and 21. I'm reading this out of the Young's literal translation. Wherefore, having put aside all filthiness and superabundance of evil in meekness, be receiving the engrafted word that is able to save your souls. Now somebody said, well, I, I thought I was already saved. You are saved. And yet the Bible tells us that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So obviously we haven't arrived at the place where our thinking and our knowledge and understanding is exactly like God's. That affects our soul, part of our soul actually. And what's going to help us is receiving the engrafted Word. The Word actually becomes part of us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, the Word is still becoming flesh today. Not in the form of a baby, but in the form of whatever that word says that we are and we have, if we receive it and let it become engrafted a part of us, it manifests. You keep saying, I have the mind of Christ. It'll start showing up in you. You start saying, I can do all things through Christ. That ability will start showing up in you. Woo! Glory to God. Verse 22, 
And become ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then he gives us a graphic illustration of what that's like. If you hear the word, but you don't receive it and you don't act on it and it doesn't become a part of you in your life. You can hear it, you can ignore it. Or you can hear it and receive it and start doing it. He said, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this one has been like to a man viewing his natural face in a mirror. We keep seeing this, don't we? In a mirror. And uh, for he did view himself and then has gone away and immediately he did forget what kind he was. And he who did look into the perfect law, that of liberty, and did continue there, this one, not a forgetful hearer becoming, but a doer of the work, this one shall be happy in his doing. Why? Because it's not just going to be you went to service, you heard something, somebody beside you got excited and say amen, and you went home and nothing changed. It's you heard it, and you said I'm getting all of this. <laughs> and, and you received it by faith and then you remembered it next Thursday. And you remember it next year. And you remember it next five years. And every time the Lord brings it up to you, you check and see, am I doing that? Am I doing that? And you apply it and do it. And if you do that, then you remembered what you saw and you continued to behold it, and you are being changed into what you are beholding by the Spirit of God from glory to glory to glory to glory. Whew. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That, I mean, when you're sitting here, when you're sitting in Sarasota, when you're online joining us, we're supposed to be seeing things. Are we seeing things? Yes, yes. Are we seeing? What, what the, the Lord is holding up to us, the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You look in the mirror of your own heart, you see yourself. Guess what else you see? Jesus. This right. is, well, I thought I was seeing myself. You are. I right. thought we were seeing Jesus. Yes. Well, which one are we seeing? Yes. Yes. Christ is in you. And he is the hope. An expectation of what? Glory to glory. Glory to glory. Changed even by the Spirit of the Lord. Glory to glory. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, when I look inside myself, I thought you said I'm going to see myself looking back. But I'm looking for Jesus. Same thing. Because you are in him. He is in you. On the outside, you don't look just like him. You hadn't been talking just like him. You hadn't been acting just like him. So quit looking on the outside. Just, just quit looking out there. Just quit looking out there. <laughs> but when you look in the heart, you go... Ooh, 
I look good. I look good. I look good. I look so good in Christ. I look amazing in Christ. I look like the righteousness of God. I, I have the mind of Christ. Woo. And, you, and you're seeing, as you're seeing who you are in him, and you don't forget it tomorrow or next week or the next, the Spirit of God is working to change you outwardly. Change your mind, change your feelings, change your intents, change your focus and purpose so that out here matches in here. Matches what he says. Woo! Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody.